How can marketers provide auto-renewal programs without running into legal trouble? I'm Po Yi, a partner in Manat's advertising, marketing, and media practice, and this is Perfect Balance, an advertising law podcast from Manat. For our first episode of 2022, I'm joined by my partners, Christine Riley and John McGinnis, to discuss a topic that I think is top of mind for any company offering products or services that are renewed or delivered automatically. These auto renewal programs, like subscription plans or continuity services, have always been popular with marketers, but their popularity seems to have exploded in recent years as consumers are increasingly relying on e-commerce and digital services to fulfill their everyday needs. Christine and John are both in Manette's Consumer Protection and Class Action Defense Practice Group and frequently advise clients on auto renewal issues as well as defending them in class action lawsuits involving auto renewal programs. Christine and John, welcome to our podcast. Hi, Paul. Thank you for having us. In the last few years, more and more states have been passing or updating automatic renewal laws, or often referred to as ARLs, and the trend seems to have only accelerated during the past couple of years. In fact, I understand that three states have new or amended automatic renewal laws that went into effect starting January 1st. Christine, can you give us a brief overview of these laws? Sure, Poe. We are seeing a lot of activity in the automatic renewal space. It used to be that California was considered one of a kind and perhaps the strictest auto renewal law in the land. But now we're seeing many states are following suit with their own automatic renewal laws. In 2022, starting January 1st, we are off to a running start with three states implementing new requirements. Two of these states have their first automatic renewal law with no precedent prior to January 1st. So let me just summarize what those new requirements are because the deadline has already started and everything is already in effect for these three states. The first state which has its first automatic renewal law is Colorado. Some of the features that are key for this particular statute are going to seem very similar to ones you've already heard, but I'm going to summarize some of them here. You need to have a clear and conspicuous disclosure of the terms of the automatic provision before the contract is executed. And by terms, I mean things like, you need to be telling consumers that the contract's going to automatically renew. You need to be telling them the length of the term. They need to understand the cancellation policy, and they also need to be provided a description of those charges. The second key feature in Colorado now is you need to have an easy cancellation mechanism. And by that, I mean something such as a one-step online cancellation link. Another feature, the third key feature is you must provide consumers a renewal notice 25 to 40 days before each renewal date. And this notice needs to tell consumers that the contract is going to renew unless it's canceled. And of course, you need to also be providing consumers information on how they might cancel if they choose not to renew. Something interesting about Colorado is it specifically says notice can be sent by traditional means, such as physical mail, email, but it also says you can even give renewal notice by text messaging if the consumer has authorized text messages. 
that is a particularly interesting feature in Colorado and brings us to an intersection between automatic renewal laws and TCPA and other state mini TCPA laws. You have to really be careful if you're going to be sending text messages on automatic renewal because you also need to comply with the federal TCPA, which is rampant with private class action lawsuits. The second state which has new requirements starting January 1st of this year is Delaware. Delaware, just like Colorado, has its very first automatic renewal law. The key features are somewhat similar, but they're not exactly the same. So the key features in Delaware are first, clear and conspicuous disclosure of the automatic renewal terms. And you'll notice clear and conspicuous is a common theme among many of the automatic renewal laws in the various states. The second key feature, again, you need to have some type of easy cancellation method. And just like Colorado, Delaware now says that if your contract is created online with the consumer, the consumer must be able to also cancel online. That's becoming a more important requirement, especially as there are so many subscription plans that are created through online subscriptions. And a third key feature, you must have a renewal notice to consumers 30 or 60 days before the renewal. Something also different about Delaware is it specifically has a private right of action. Now, before everyone freaks out about the private right of action, there is a little savior here. There is a 30-day cure provision in which the consumer needs to give the company notice of the violation and also a request to cancel. And if this is cured within that 30-day time period, the consumer cannot initiate a lawsuit. So there is a private right of action, but there is something there to prevent or hopefully to mitigate any litigation. That's good to know. And that 30-day cure period should provide some breathing room to marketers. What about the last state, Illinois, that also has new requirements that went into effect on January 1st? Illinois is not new to the automatic renewal world. They have had an automatic renewal law in effect before, but what they have now done is they've beefed up their requirements. And you're going to see the requirements are going to sound very similar to what I've just described with the other two states. Clear and conspicuous disclosure of the automatic renewal, an easy cancellation method, and you need to have a renewal notice. And in this particular state, that renewal notice is 30 to 60 days before the renewal deadline. There's also something unique about Illinois in the respect that it provides a safe harbor, meaning if you have practices or procedures to ensure compliance, and you can say that any failure to comply is the result of an error, and you provide a full refund or credit to the consumer, you qualify for a safe harbor which can help mitigate any litigation or penalties. And those are just three states with laws starting January 1st, 2022. And there are certainly a lot of other laws and requirements, some of which are already in effect and some of which are going to be in effect later this year. John, in addition to those three state laws that Christine just described, how many other states have an automatic renewal law? Several states, as, as you have said, Nest. Christine Illustrated have historically regulated automatically renewing contracts, but those laws focused on a particular product or service, such as home alarm products and 
health club memberships or home repair services. Now, many states have broadened the auto renewal laws to include consumer contracts uh, more generally. So as of now, a majority of the states, approximately 30 or so plus DC, have some sort of auto renewal law. Now, of course, existing laws vary by state, but as with uh, all things involving regulations, some states' laws are more arduous than others. Uh, And so while I say 30 states plus DC have some sort of ARL, that number can really be broken down into a few different buckets. The first bucket are the states with extensive automatic renewal laws. There are approximately nine states that fall into this bucket. These states have more arduous and far-reaching consumer protection laws for auto renewal. The laws generally apply in this category to all consumer contracts and have extensive compliance requirements regarding clear and conspicuous disclosures, consent, and confirmation. California, as Christine mentioned earlier, has adopted some of the broadest and strictest requirements under its ARL, and that came into effect in December 2010. A number of other states, including Colorado, as Christine mentioned, D.C., Hawaii, New York, North Dakota, Oregon, Vermont, and Virginia, have laws that were modeled after the California law, but have slight nuances or differences. The second bucket are those states that have more general automatic renewal laws. These states' laws require either disclosure of the automatic renewal terms with some additional requirements, states like Connecticut, Illinois, Maine, Delaware, North Carolina fit into this category, or require disclosure of the automatic renewal terms and or cancellation information with no additional requirements. And the one state that falls into that latter piece is Louisiana. And finally, the third bucket are those states with narrow automatic renewal laws. These laws regulate a subset of contracts for goods of services. So for example, certain states regulate leases of personal or business property. Another state regulates home alarm products. That's Tennessee, health club or spa memberships. That's regulated in Iowa, Maryland, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, and others. Dance studio contracts, services and maintenance contracts, those sorts of things. John, thanks for grouping the different state automatic renewal laws, which I think is a helpful way to keep track of the various state requirements for national marketers. What about at the federal level? Is there a federal law on auto renewal programs? There is. That's the Restore Online Shoppers Confidence Act, or ROSCA for short, R-O-S-C-A, which was passed in 2010. And ROSCA imposes specific requirements on online negative option plans and automatic renewals. Um, ROSCA, like some of the state's requirements that Christine mentioned earlier, expressly prohibits a seller from charging or attempting to charge a consumer for goods or services over the internet through recurring contract unless the seller clearly and conspicuously discloses certain information regarding the transaction, obtains the consumer's express informed consent, and provides certain cancellation requirements. And how the ROSCA is enforced is through, historically through the FTC, under the FTC Act, 
the FTC has the ability to seek monetary relief in addition to injunctive relief, although the ability of the FTC there has been limited a bit earlier last year by the uh, Supreme Court in the AMG capital management case. But a violation of Roska is considered to be an unfair or deceptive act or practice, uh, which subjects sellers to penalties. But also notably is that Roska also gives state attorneys general of cause of action under the FTC Act for alleged Roska violations. So both the FTC and state attorneys general can bring causes of action under Roska, although not at the same time for the same illegal action. And just finally, states may also bring actions under their own consumer protection laws, in addition to Roska violations, uh, and we've seen that as and we've seen that as well. So while Roska has similar requirements to state laws, it is limited in scope in that it only applies to online transactions. Christine, going back to state laws, John described several different buckets of automatic renewal laws that vary in scope. Could you talk more about the differences in scope among these state laws? Yeah, there are lots of different types of subscription and continuity plans. And with that, like John described, there are different types of laws and requirements that may govern those particular types of contracts. I would say in general, most of these subscription plans that we're talking about are governing some type of consumer good or service. But there's also some distinctions here on the length of the subscription or the subject of the subscription, or whether there is some type of particular trial period before the subscription really starts. And let me give a couple of examples here just to illustrate what I mean. Well, Vermont has one of the strictest automatic renewal laws. I'd put it up there with California. And in Vermont, for those subscriptions that are at least an initial term of one year or more, and then it auto renews for at least a month, Vermont says that that automatic renewal must clearly and conspicuously state the terms of the automatic renewal provision in plain and unambiguous language. And this is the important part. It has to be in bold face type. It's not just you can do it any way you want. It specifically says bold face type. Vermont also says that you need to get two consents from the consumer. So first, the consumer has to affirmatively opt in to the automatic renewal subscription. And then separately, the consumer has to opt into the specific automatic renewal provision. So there are really two consents that are required in Vermont. Interestingly, even though California really doesn't have that as a requirement in the actual statute, If you've encountered any of these regulatory actions from the California Automatic Renewal Task Force, you will know that they take the position, just like Vermont, that there needs to be two separate consents. And even though the law does not actually say that in California, they have been able to establish a precedent based on settlements and stipulated judgments. So those Regulators in California will say that our statute works the same way, and they'll point to several different stipulated judgments that have been entered over the course of the last several years with the same type of language about having either a checkbox or something similar. And they will also say the consumer needs to consent separately to the automatic renewal terms. 
Do many state automatic renewal laws cover free trial periods or products that automatically convert to paid subscriptions? Many states also have particular rules on free trial periods. For example, California says that if you're going to offer a free trial period, you must provide the consumer with a clear and conspicuous explanation of the price that will be charged after the trial period ends. And you also need to be telling the consumer the manner in which the pricing may change after the trial period. So for example, if the trial period has a reduced price, but then it will increase after the trial period, you need to be saying that to the consumer and the disclosure needs to be clear and conspicuous. So, you know, in short, I think there are a lot of different facets of the automatic renewal laws across the various states. And you really need to be looking one by one to understand what the scope of the subscriptions are and be looking at the specific requirements in terms of length, disclosure options, renewal notices, cancellation procedures. There's a, a lot of different requirements and each state takes their own approach. Some are similar, but some are different, just like John pointed out. John and Christine, you've both discussed certain common themes among various state laws, many of which track the requirements under ROSCA. And you also mentioned some of the differences. I'd like to go back to these commonalities and variations. John, can you summarize the key components of automatic renewal laws that national marketers should be aware of? Sure. Generally speaking, as you said, Poe, and as we've touched on in this, there are several specific components that must be included in any automatically renewing contract, regardless of the state in which you you operate or serve customers. First, the businesses must make certain disclosures. For example, the businesses must disclose what the offer entails and the sellers are required to present the terms of the automatic renewal offer clearly and conspicuously. There must be disclosures about the contract period. The contract period must be clearly presented prior to the purchase being completed. Second, obtaining consent is a key part of these contracts, and it must be expressed and informed under most of these laws, meaning that consent was voluntarily provided in writing after full details of the offer have been disclosed. And usually consent is satisfied when a consumer clicks submit order or a similar button indicating an agreement to the auto renewal offer at the end of a sign-up process that contains the right required disclosures. But I do want to highlight one thing Christine said earlier about Vermont. If you're operating in Vermont, that would not satisfy. It has the double opt-in. So just be careful there. That's the outlier there. Third, written acknowledgement must be given to the customer after the purchase. And it has to include the initial disclosures that we mentioned previously, the cancellation policy and specific information on how to cancel. And finally, while renewal reminders vary by state, in general, customers must receive a reminder that their subscription will renew automatically unless canceled, uh, along with cancellation information and a way to learn more about renewals. What about the key differences and nuances within these laws? North Dakota's laws limit any renewal period in an agreement for the sale of merchandise to 12 months or less. And DC's law only applies to contracts that renew for a period of one month or more. California, on the other hand, does not address length of auto renewal terms. In addition, uh, Vermont, as Christine mentioned, requires the double opt-in 
So while I don't believe any other state has that requirement, if a business is operating in Vermont, you might need to take additional steps, even beyond those that are required under California ARL to ensure compliance with the law. There are also many differences with respect to private rights of action and state enforcement. We've seen in California numerous enforcement actions and putative class cases in California as arising out of alleged violations of the of the ARL. And while California courts have held that there's no private right of action under the California ARL, plaintiffs' lawyers have sought to enforce the ARL through its unfair competition law and seek uh, restitution as a remedy for the alleged violations. New York has a similar statute to California. Virginia, on the other hand, takes the penalties for violating its statute a step further than California and New York. Businesses in violation of the statute in Virginia may be subject to both civil penalties of up to $5,000 per violation and damages under a private right of action from consumers. So they're subject to penalties through enforcement, as well as potential damages in a putative class case. And then in contrast, Colorado gives the AG and the state district attorneys exclusive authority to enforce the automatic renewal term. So it's important to understand the states you're operating in and what the ARL rules are in those states. The states also differ with respect to the frequency of enforcement actions by state regulators. No one will be surprised that California has been particularly active in this area and, and leads the pack. And one other significant difference among the state's laws is the inclusion of a good faith exception. Several states' laws include this exception, which provides an affirmative defense to allege violations if the company can show it complied with the statute in good faith. States like California, Delaware, Illinois, New York, and Virginia, and a few others have this exception, though the exception has not been heavily litigated in any of these jurisdictions, so it's still somewhat unknown and hard to say uh, how it will apply and what evidence would be required to show good faith compliance. So those are some of the key similarities and then some of the key differences between the various state ARLs. That's a lot of information to digest. Christine, from a practical perspective, what are the risks for noncompliance? In particular, I'd like to hear more about the risks of litigation, even in those states where the statute does not specifically provide for a private right of action. Sure. And I think John has done a really good job of summarizing some of the risks on private class action lawsuits. And I'll maybe delve into that a little bit more. You know, the first risk that any company is going to have in terms of compliance on automatic renewal is going to be private class action lawsuits. And John and I are seeing a tremendous uptick in automatic renewal lawsuits that are filed. Now they're filed in other places, but I'd say California is a predominant place where we see a lot of automatic renewal class actions. Our automatic renewal team here at Manat is currently handling several automatic renewal class action lawsuits. And like John mentioned, what's interesting is that California's automatic renewal law actually does not have a private right of action. Even though plaintiff lawyers continue to file lawsuits 
with a direct claim under the automatic renewal statute in California, judges routinely say that California's automatic renewal law does not have a private right of action. But that doesn't provide a lot of comfort because what plaintiff lawyers do is they simply bring these claims under a different statute. They bring it under California's unfair competition law, which is California Business and Professions Code section 17200. If you're aware of California's 17200 law, you know that this particular law is a catch-all. And what I mean by that is there's a provision in it that has an unlawful prong, which essentially means that a violation of any other federal or state law is also a violation of 17200. So the fact that California's automatic renewal law does not have a private right of action is no comfort for those operating in California. These private class action lawsuits are brought under 17200 and that's how they usually proceed. Now, if you get into one of these cases, the remedies that you will be looking at is potential restitution and injunctive relief and plaintiff attorneys do have a mechanism to get their attorney's fees. So what you should be thinking about is what are your total billings, automatic renewal subscriptions for California? That is what you're looking at as potential restitution in one of these cases. What about enforcement from state regulators, like the California Automatic Renewal Task Force that you mentioned earlier? The regulators have their own enforcement mechanism, and those particular penalties or risks can be higher. And let me give an example, and you mentioned it specifically. Let's talk about California. Again, California is very active in this space, and California actually is one of the few states that has a dedicated task force just on automatic renewal violations. This particular task force is known as California Automatic Renewal Task Force, and they go by the name CART. This particular task force consists of various city attorneys and district attorneys across several counties in California. They take turns initiating the lead in the enforcement of these particular actions, but they all are part of a task force that actively looks for new cases. And they are also watching the dockets to see where private class action lawsuits may be filed. So it's not uncommon that you may see a private class action lawsuit filed, followed by the California regulators filing their own enforcement action. And what I mentioned earlier that it could be worse, by that I mean you're not just looking at restitution or injunctive relief in these particular enforcement actions. The CART is going to be looking for penalties. And the California statute does provide for penalties. So you're looking at restitution, injunctive relief, penalties, and probably some distribution of costs to initiate the suit. So all in all, the risks can be very high of non-compliance. You know, having our automatic renewal team here at Manat has handled several CART enforcement actions. And what I can say about them is that they tend to last quite a long time and it's not as easy to get to a resolution with the regulators as it is in the private class action lawsuits. A lot of the automatic renewal class action lawsuits are settled sometimes very early in the case, 
sometimes within a year, but these automatic renewal task force enforcement cases, these can go on for years. As an example, I'm aware of at least one other automatic renewal task force case in California that went on for over seven years. Nothing is fast with the government, but one thing that I can say without reservation is you cannot call up the government and simply say, do you wanna take X amount to go away? It doesn't work that way with the regulators. There is a very firm process and procedure in place and they're looking for penalties and it does take time to get to a place where there is an agreement. And if there's not an agreement, then there will be a lawsuit that the counties will initiate, but they will give you an opportunity to come to a resolution with them and to try to resolve it short of litigation. And most every instance of these enforcement actions are voluntarily settled, but they do take a lot of time to get to a settlement. For my last question, I'd like to ask each of you to give us a tip or two for marketers to stay ahead of these laws. John, let's start with you. What I would say is that, oh, there obviously there's been a recent flurry of bills through various states, not just for states that didn't have an ARL before, but in states that are looking to broaden the scope of the ARL. And I, I think the recent bills really demonstrate at least two things. The first is that it's clear that state legislatures are very active in this space and have an increased focus on the regulation of automatically renewing contracts. And I don't see a sign of that stopping at any point in the near future. And second, it's equally apparent that the ARL compliance is an ever-evolving process, and it requires careful attention to existing laws and to develop some sort of system for staying up to date for companies, you know, to understand and stay on top of latest changes and modifications. And as more and more states enact, ARLs, companies that operate virtually in the U.S. using auto renewing contracts should at a minimum consult with counsel to confirm whether their agreements fall within the scope of any current ARLs. And if so, specific requirements for compliance must be met. And keep checking regularly the laws as the landscape is continually changing. So takeaway is be diligent, make sure that you understand not just the laws that are on the books, but also laws that are being contemplated and make sure that you're on top of that. And Christine, what are your tips for making sure that companies are actually able to offer auto renewal programs without running into legal trouble? I think something you said earlier, Poe, is key. There's no doubt about it. There is a various number of laws with varying requirements, and it can be very confusing. Frankly, with all of the new requirements going into effect, our various automatic renewal charts are becoming more complex (laughs) and larger and longer. And that's just a result of the activity in this space. I, I think one of the things I would say to companies is you really need to map out a compliance plan. And by that, I mean, you need to start thinking about what are the states in which you're offering subscriptions and you need to put a plan in place for how you're going to comply. A common question that we get here at our automatic renewal team is, 
what is the best way to comply, knowing that there are so many different laws with different requirements? Do I need to do this state by state? Can I just pick one law and apply it across all the states? Like, what's the way to do it? And the answer to that is going to depend a lot on how many states you're operating in, what kind of subscriptions you have, and also what your risk tolerance is. It's not necessarily a one size fits all. I do know that there are some companies that have taken the approach that they're just going to take the strictest state or states and apply that across all of their subscription states. But I also know there are plenty of other clients that decide they're going to do this state by state and they're going to implement it very specifically. But the point is, regardless of which option you choose, you need to be understanding all of the requirements in each state, looking at what you would need to comply for each state, and then figuring out how you're going to tackle it. Are you going to do it state by state? Are you going to do compliance by focusing on a few key states? I mean, these are business choices that need to be made. So you need to have a plan in place and really map it out. And it's going to become increasingly more important to do that because we're seeing even more changes coming up in other states. You know, for example, Florida just had some recent changes and we're anticipating there are changes coming in California in July. And I am not going to be surprised if we have even more changes to discuss somewhere down the line in 2022. So a plan in place is key. Thank you, Christine and John, for these helpful tips and for joining us to share your thoughts on these important automatic renewal issues facing marketers. And thank you, listeners, for joining us for another episode of Perfect Balance, an advertising law podcast from Manat. As we discussed in today's episode, marketers should pay close attention to the various state-enacted automatic renewal laws, as well as the federal law affecting subscription-based and continuity plan services. At Manat, we can and do often call on our deep bench of litigators like Christine and John that have represented clients in all forms of consumer class action litigation, particularly in cases involving automatic renewals and subscription-based programs. We also have a long history of helping clients to traverse the complex array of federal and state laws governing these types of services. To learn more about our automatic renewal team or to submit questions you may have about this episode, please click the link in this episode's caption. And if you enjoyed today's discussion, please subscribe to Perfect Balance, an advertising law podcast from Manat to receive updates about future episodes. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Perfect Balance, an advertising law podcast from Manat. The views expressed on the podcast reflect the personal views and opinions of the participants and are not intended to constitute legal advice or counsel under any circumstance. Downloading and listening to this recording do not result in the formation of an attorney-client or other business relationship. You should not act on any information in the podcast without seeking the advice of a competent attorney licensed to practice in your jurisdiction. 